Welcome to Disrupted Asia, navigating the global order of tomorrow, a podcast series by FES in Asia. Today's podcast will discuss the situation in Afghanistan, the social and economic impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on the country, the transition process and prospects for peace. A withdrawal agreement was signed by the Donald Trump administration and the Taliban in February 2020, a watershed moment and agreement which is now being reviewed by the Biden administration. However, the on-ground implications of the potential disengagement remain uncertain. To discuss with us the complex dynamic at play and how either a complete or conditional withdrawal of US troops on Afghanistan will play out, as well as the impediments and prospects for the peace process, is Dr. Timur Sharon. He is the Executive Director of Afghanistan Policy Lab and an adjunct professor at the American University of Afghanistan. He was formerly the Deputy Minister for Policy and Programme at the Independent Directorate of Local Governance in Afghanistan. He is currently working on a book manuscript titled Corrupting the State, International Intervention and Political Order in Post-2001 Afghanistan. Welcome to our podcast, Disrupted Asia. I'm Dinkim Silo, and we're excited to have with us Dr. Timur Sharan. It is wonderful to have you with us, Timur. You have written a series of policy briefs for FES in Afghanistan, which can be accessed through the FES Afghanistan website. We will touch on some of those. But before that, let's dive a bit deeper on what's happening on the pandemic front. Afghanistan and more broadly, South Asia appeared to be running and returning to pre-COVID normalcy more quickly than the other regions and without necessarily going through the same rigorous lockdowns and restrictions as some of the Asian or even European countries. Now, we see a steep rise in numbers in some South Asian countries again. How has the pandemic played out in Afghanistan? What have been some of the economic and social implications of the pandemic in the country? And are some of these challenges exacerbated by the stressed geopolitical environment in the region? There seems to be some competition around vaccine diplomacy. Thank you so much for having me in this podcast. Um, The pandemic is certainly not over, uh, but in Afghanistan, given the magnitude of other challenges that the country has faced, especially in relation to increased insecurity, targeted killings by the Taliban and other terrorist organizations, COVID-19 has been essentially downgraded as a secondary challenge. Um, And like other countries where response to the pandemic has been assessed as a significant uh, stress test for government's performance, this has not been the case in Afghanistan. Security and safety of human rights activists, civil society leaders, and media journalists uh, in light of these targeted killings in the last couple of months have been the key indicators for government's performance and political legitimacy. Now, having said that, the pandemic has had a huge impact on the lives of ordinary Afghans, uh, especially those of marginalized and vulnerable communities, such as internally displaced, returnees, and other groups. Uh, It has certainly increased poverty and unemployment um, we're seeing a significant inflation in the price of basic uh, goods, 
and a shrinking economy. Of course, gender-based violence and discrimination also come into play. Um, the Afghan economy is exceptionally dependent on donor funding. Um, aid and grants uh, from donor countries um, finances around 70% of Afghanistan's uh, total expenditure. And NATO and the U.S. has been paying 80 to 85% towards sustaining the Afghan national security and defense forces. So a financial crisis in donor countries themselves, as the result of the pandemic, is likely to accelerate demand for military and financial withdrawal from the country and a reduction of aid, basically worsening the already felt donor fatigue with Afghanistan. Um, this is likely to impact the quality and quantity of services that Afghans are likely to experience in areas of health and education, and of course, the operations of NGOs around the country. Of course, in relation to the peace process, the pandemic has had somehow complicated uh, initially the process itself, uh, the intra-Afghan peace talks, but the overall the Afghan peace talks have continued without many disruptions. You have highlighted some issues which uh, provide a good segue for us to delve a little bit deeper on the peace process. As we all know, uh, the U.S.-Taliban agreement was signed with the Donald Trump uh, administration and the Taliban last year with the view to withdraw troops by May 1, 2021. And this is the backdrop in which this pandemic's impact has been shaped. In light of this, there is also, uh, as you have highlighted, uh, increased uh, concerns around the security situation. Why do you think uh, the agreement is falling, falling apart? And, and some analysts believe that the Doha deal gives too many concessions to Afghan insurgents. What, in your view, is lacking in this? So for now, there is a pause um, in the Doha talks, which initiated uh, between uh, the U.S. government and the Taliban uh, early in 2018. And it was a year later, it was um, signed into an agreement. Subsequently, the intra-Afghan talks uh, began. Now, there were a lot of concern uh, early on that, and many people in Afghanistan believing that the Americans had signed a, a deal with the Taliban that was essentially an exit agreement, a Vietnam situation, as you like, rather than a peace deal. And that the Americans were burning their limited leverages that they had in Afghanistan by prematurely uh, exiting from the country. So a lot of concerns both in Afghanistan and also within the region. With Biden administration and the new thinking, there is some relief that and hope that the new administration will take a more sensible approach to the peace talks and better use its military, financial, and diplomatic leverages. In private, even those countries within the region that prefer the U.S. to exit entirely, including Iran, China, and Russia, have been advocating for the past year for a more responsible and condition-based exit. With that background, 
there has been a significant surge in recent months in targeted killings by the Taliban and other groups intended to drive women, uh, journalists, and human rights activists away from public life and to spread terror among the population. In another word, essentially silencing liberal voices. Um, so with this uh, background, there is hope that the US, the new US administration will push for a more sensible approach to the Afghan peace discussion and take a more responsible and condition-based approach, something that the European unions and Germans have um, advocated for it. On the topic of the Europeans and German, uh, NATO has recently announced that it will not leave till security conditions are favorable in the country. Where do you see the opportunity for Europe or Germany to step up at this moment and fill the vacuum is left behind in case the withdrawal takes place or there is a reconsideration around uh, the numbers? And relatedly, how do you assess European engagement in Afghanistan these past many years? What could you say are some of the key achievements uh, through these engagements? And are there any lessons that could be learned from, from, from this past? That's a good question. We're definitely seeing a, a more assertive uh, EU driven mainly by Germany in Afghanistan uh, and in relation to the ongoing peace process. Let's not forget that Americans barely consulted the EU uh, and other European countries, including Germany, in its negotiation with the Taliban and its military plans. Uh, they certainly annoyed and angered um, a lot of European countries and regional countries um, who felt that they have been shouldering the security and financial burden of the last two decades of intervention in Afghanistan. Now, the European Union finds itself in a dilemma. Several member states genuinely are concerned about the sudden exit from Afghanistan and the destabilizing impact of it, of US withdrawal. But at the same time, because of the unequal weight of Washington uh, within the framework of NATO and in Afghanistan, um, it makes it very difficult for Europeans, uh, including Germany, to put themselves in a difficult situation by pursuing a more independent uh, Afghan policy around the security situation and also filling that vacuum that you noted and also the peace process um, and to continue with military engagement without U.S. support. Now, without a continued umbrella U.S. military might, the European Union, they would be practically incapable of continuing military presence and shouldering the burden to fund the Afghan state and, and its security forces. Ultimately, it's basically an approach of, despite the rhetoric, that we came in with the U.S., we'll leave with the U.S. And at the moment, uh, the European position is that let's wait and see what happens rather than seeing a real independent uh, Afghan policy emerging from European unions, including Germany. There are, of course, many other players in these mix and Afghanistan has its fair share of neighbors who have 
contradictory and divergent interests in the shaping of the future of these peace talks and indeed the future of Afghanistan. So in this context, are there ways to get these regional interests together on the same page? What might such a process look like and what can the region's contribution to this look like? Are there other regional initiatives that are promising? And what about emerging regional competitions such as the one that is taking the form of the India-China competition in the region or indeed in Afghanistan? In relation to uh, the region, two things. One is that there is uh, an emerging convergence of interest around to shift from security to um, more economic integration and trade connectivity within the region. So there is that convergence of interest for the first time. Secondly, there is a general consensus among several of Afghanistan's neighbors that the region should own its challenges and the Afghan issue rather than renting it out to uh, to the U.S. and other international places. So that's a good start. And for now, countries like China and its ambition in Afghanistan has remained mainly focused in the economic sphere. China has limited its engagement in Afghan political and security affairs. Uh, it has emphasized trade, regional connectivity, long-term investment, and counterterrorism, and less focusing on the political and security affairs. And on the security, it has largely relied on Pakistan to guarantee its interests, including containing separatist Islamist groups like the East Turkestan Islamic Movement. Where China stands, for now, even if there will be announcement of a U.S. military withdrawal down the road, uh, China has certainly shown quite a considerable reserve uh, in abstaining from engaging with Kabul and anything other than economic issues, fearing that this might deem as interference in the U.S. sphere of influence. And both countries have so far refrained from bringing Afghanistan's conflict into uh, the fray of other competition uh, and contentious issues elsewhere in Asia that we see in Indo-Pacific. But China is likely to become more assertive within the region in light of its massive investment it, that it has done through the Belt and Road Initiative and will enjoy huge economic and diplomatic leverage uh, in near future, especially on Pakistan. In Pakistan, uh, China has committed to invest $60 billion in different projects. And in August 2020, China signed a strategic partnership deal with Iran on trade security, uh, potentially giving Beijing um, a strategic foothold in the Persian Gulf. And that has already created some imbalances and dependencies. Um, these deals, plus China's close relations with Pakistan, are likely to reshape the region's political map in favor of China in the next decade or so, if not sooner, especially if the Americans withdraw from Afghanistan and from the region, and this lead to a vacuum. Where we're definitely likely to see uh, a more assertive China in the next decade or so as the dominant uh, economic power in South and Central Asia.
you have provided a very broad perspective of the different in, different interplay and dynamics. As a final question, given the various geopolitical, domestic, uh, and COVID-related challenges that we have discussed in our brief conversation today, realistically speaking, what is a best-case scenario for Afghanistan in the near future, and what would you say are the preconditions for that in the immediate to near term? Well, the best case scenario um, is essentially to see a, a peaceful Afghanistan, a, a successful peace settlement. Um, but we also need to be realistic that peace processes often takes time. And if international engagement has, in the last two decades, has learned anything from Afghanistan, and that is everything takes longer in the country. Peace will take time and a lot of hard work. It cannot achieve through hasty and quick solutions, essentially pulling a new rabbit out of the hat every time that the previous attempt has failed. Uh, but at the same time, we also need to understand the vulnerabilities that exist within Afghanistan and the region uh, that a quick withdrawal from the country uh, could create a huge vacuum that neighboring countries could essentially then find themselves in competition against each other, hedging their bets and trying to, um, as they have already done so, reaching out to their proxies, uh, empowering them in order to reduce their risk. So internally, within Afghanistan, we need a peace settlement that will work, but a peace settlement that is um, inclusive, and that reflects the realities of the country, especially last two decades, and the new Afghanistan itself. Regionally, we need to see the need for a regional framework and a mechanism through which neighboring countries could come together and work on a regional uh, framework. So far, that is the missing gap uh, um, in the U.S.'s attempt to, to reach uh, an Afghan peace, and largely that is because uh, the Americans have had a strained relationship with Iran and Russia. Now, we hope that the Biden administration would improve those relationships with Tehran and other uh, countries. And here, EU could play a significant role in filling the gap. Now, EU enjoys a critical uh, uh, diplomatic leverage and influence to set up that uh, regional framework. And what we missed in terms of a lack of communication within the region, lack of leadership, and a lack of framework and mechanism um, is that the neighboring countries would be happy to see uh, either the UN or EU taking a more leading role in facilitating a regional framework. And internationally, a realistic scenario could happen if um, the Americans take a more... Um, realistic approach to the Afghan issue rather than hastily withdraw from the country and that we experience a Vietnam situation. This has been a very insightful conversation, Timur. Thank you so much for talking to us. My pleasure. Thank you. This was Dr. Timur Sharon, Executive Director of Afghanistan Policy Lab and former Deputy Minister for Policy and Programme at the Independent Directorate of Local Governance in Afghanistan. This podcast was brought to you by FES in Asia. Interview by Dim Kim Silo. Research by Meekla Jar. Directed by Milko Gunter. 
and produced by MediaWalk. Make sure to subscribe, tell your friends about it, and don't forget to visit our website, asia.fes.de, for regular updates on freedom, justice, and solidarity in Asia. Thanks for joining us. Thank you.